Welcome to the Faces podcast. We're a Christian and Muslim charity working to build resilience in faith communities against child sexual exploitation and other forms of harm. We'll be talking about what faith and interfaith work means to us and how we embed an inclusive and authentic approach throughout our work. Hello and welcome to our podcast. Um, Today, uh, from our Faces team, we have Peter, Tony, Melissa, Lucy and myself, Nigel. And we're going to be discussing a, a tough issue Um, around an investigation into a religious leader. And the investigation is not complete yet, so we won't be making any conclusions, but felt it was important to have a look at this subject uh, while it's developing. And so I'm going to hand over to Peter, and Peter's going to lead our discussion today. Thanks so much, Nigel. Yes, when Faces was formed, we, we... It arose because, as a number of Christians and Muslims, we were talking together about sexual abuse in different contexts and realizes we had similar things to say and we because so much challenge to to observe people from outside making allegations against one or the other it was useful to be able to say them together and so abuse within the church has been a major theme for us abuse within religious settings more generally has been a major theme for us and it's been really good to have, um, as a member of our team, Lucy, who, Lucy, you can tell us about what your what expertise and experience you bring into this, uh, please, because, and then we'll introduce the topic in particular. So tell us about yourself, Lucy. Sure. Yeah, I, well, I'm, I'm the director of research at Youthscape, and that's a national Christian youth work charity based here in Luton. And I've been in that role for five years doing a range of research about and with young people, about faith and spirituality. Um, I've also been part of the FACES group since the beginning, and that really was because in my previous role for seven years, I worked in a specialist research centre within the University of Bedfordshire focused on uh, child sexual exploitation and child trafficking. Uh, So this question of... um, yeah, where and where and how across all domains of public and private life, um, sexual abuse happens or exploitation happens, and what we can do about it. That has been something that I've yeah, been interested in and concerned about for for quite a while. And uh, and and my and my different hats and my different roles have sort of come together um, in a in a in a quite a specific way, I guess, in responding to this particular issue. Which Peter, do you want to explain? what it is and then we'll get into it i'll, yeah, I'll outline in, in principle then you can go a bit broader yes that's really helpful because whereas a lot of a lot of people have opinions actually on this particular subject lucy really speaks with a lot of wisdom and experience so thank you very much lucy yeah the 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 situation we're talking about is a it's hard to describe it really sole survivor and its leader mike pilavacci uh, there have been allegations against Mike Pilavacci in particular um, for a number of things, and we'll explore those in a minute. Um, but Soul Survivor is a large church in Watford, based in Watford, England, which has drawn many, many younger people. It's a vibrant, exuberant, broadly charismatic church um, that has had a reputation, and that reputation has been the source of inspiration 
and training for many people over 25 more years. Associated with Soul Survivor, uh, church is a has been, it's now finished, but a youth camp in the summer each year, um, which has drawn thousands of young people to it. But Lucy, tell us more about the allegations and what, what we know about this. Yeah, well, a, a statement was made was probably almost six weeks ago now uh, that was published on Soul Survivor's website from the Diocese of St Albans and the church itself and the trustees explaining that some allegations have been made against Mike Pilavacci. Um, they didn't at that time detail the nature of those other than to sort of give, um, I think, in their in their attempts to steer people away from suspecting the worst they said things like these are non-recent allegations so they're not they're not recent and then and then in a later um statement that they they weren't physical now what what then transpired after a few weeks is that some of those who had made those allegations gave more details in a couple of articles to the press in particular to the times and the daily telegraph where you can read a bit more including another article yesterday and I think what has emerged from some of those uh, articles is that these are allegations from um, young men who worked at the church uh, in, in different forms or, or as part of the gap year program that the church ran and who were relatively close to, to Mike and who were in some cases maybe interns or um, who who were chosen by him to travel with him uh, in different ways. And I think there have been a few different aspects to those allegations. One is uh, probably the stuff that's led in the national media, which um, is around inappropriate um, massages. So being invited to, to Mike's house on, I think, certainly one or more occasions and to um, take part in massages that that certainly it seems the allegations is these these weren't particularly welcomed or desired and and the other was wrestling so uh and and i think that that seems to be that um the allegations were that 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 these young men in particular were sort of compelled to take part in these sort of wrestling matches, which again, they did not necessarily want to take part in. And the sense of being overpowered by somebody who is the very, um, who holds a lot of power in that institution, who really is the face and the name of those festivals and of that church, that uh, these, these, these allegations were really about those that kind of physical contact being not necessarily welcome and inappropriate given the power imbalance there between Mike and those, those younger men. But also I think over time there seems to be uh, allegations that there is a pattern of some of those relationships, that these were all um, young men who were who are sort of maybe between 18 and 25, who were aspiring to leadership in some way, who were um, in some ways picked out by, by Mike to, um, to learn from him or to be given opportunities in leading worship or in traveling. And that, so there has been a sort of new angle to some of those allegations over time that suggests a kind of emotional or spiritual abuse where they might be um, promised uh, uh, through, through Mike being a gateway access to, uh, certain kinds of career opportunities and might be quite quickly dropped and discarded. So again, these are allegations at this point rather than substantiated, but what they what they suggest is um, 
an abuse of kind of power there uh, to, uh, around some kind of physical relationship around this kind of wrestling or massage thing. And then this other element of emotional or spiritual abuse that is uh, potentially about um, manipulation, about um, being promised lots of things and then being kind of dropped. Uh, and, and I think we're, we're hearing some of what that's described to be like in some of these yeah. press articles. Right. And obviously, I mean, just trying to understand a little bit, one of the things there you've drawn out is the 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 power that Mike has, and therefore there is a there is very definitely a grooming element to this. I think in terms of how you know we had lots of discussion about the difference between abuse and exploitation and so on, um, but there's very definitely a grooming and therefore exploitative element to this. I would it seems to me. Yeah, I think that's interesting. I, yeah, I, it's interesting that, that I don't think I've seen that word yet used no. in these articles. But certainly, um, and maybe that will be as we as we go forward in in the investigations. But I think what what is coming out, we will recognise uh, from a series of other cases where uh, one person in particular is um, is not only very charismatic but holds a lot of spiritual, emotional, and institutional power. Okay. And um, and so in those cases. The the influence they have over um, and the, the kind of words are used impressionable. So these these are not under eighteen year olds. These are adults, which I think is partly why this is not a criminal. This is not a criminal case uh, at this at this point. But they and neither neither necessarily are they vulnerable adults as we would understand. But they the this in, this sense of the the balance between some younger people who um, are impressionable and some of whom by the sounds of it have come from various kinds of traumatic have had sort of certain kinds of traumatic backgrounds and a leader who is hugely powerful yeah. i think um and that that suggests that this is really yeah this is this is really quite problematic there's a huge amount there to pick up You've emphasised this is these are allegations at the moment, and we're in a period when uh, investigations taking place uh, by the Church of England national team, safeguarding team, but also the uh, the St Albans uh, diocese context. Now, of course, we are sitting within St Albans diocese, and in the in the interest of full disclosure for myself, I am um, I'm a senior lay official within the church, within the Diocese of Normans. I'm lay chair for the Diocese. So actually, I, I have a, a particular interest in this, and I think it's it's important to declare that. I have known many people in Soul Survivor. I know leaders in Soul Survivor. I know people who were interned from Soul Survivor and are now very, very clearly saying how hurt they were by it. So it's it's a very complex situation. I think the thing to particularly to draw out here, and this is one of the challenges, I, I also, I think, need to say, I, I, I speak a lot on this on the Church of England's national governing body, General Synod, of which I'm a member. It's one of the topics I've taken on. And I know quite a lot of survivors of abuse in other church cases. And I know this... It's, this is not just painful for those who are involved in it, in this particular incident, but the re uh, the emergence of new cases is immensely painful for victims, survivors of other previous cases. And I've already heard from several of them. But the nature of this space is that not much can be said because it's all provisional. 
And it's because of that, the tendency is from the organisations doing the investigation, the tendency is not to say much mm. and actually almost to say too little. And that was very clear in the early days of this that not enough was being said. And Lucy, your organisation, Youthscape, with you behind it, worked on a response to that. So tell us about the article you've just published in Youthscape. Yeah, well, it was. I think it was a week ago now, last Tuesday, we published an article. Um, I mean, that followed a statement. We had published a statement um, the week before. It was very brief, but that statement just said, we... We acknowledge these allegations. Um, we 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 recognise the courage that it would take for somebody to come forward uh, with these with allegations like this. And it, and you know those things like we we know that this is at this at this point it's in process, so we we can't speculate, but we acknowledge this. But what we followed it up with was a, I guess a longer article that was aimed particularly at youth workers because following following you, Peter, uh, for disclosure, we. We've been we've had connections as an organisation with Soul Survivor for years and years and years. Many of us personal, um, many staff members who have either been part of the church or uh, know people there. People who've been part of the intern program, uh, yeah, people who there's been speaking at each other's conferences. Um, we we now run a festival in part because Soul Survivor ended, and we were asked by Mike Pilavacci, um, to, to think about taking on another festival. So there is a lot here of connections for us. But we, we exist to support and serve the Christian youth work world. And I think that that article was in part trying to respond to the things you've, you've raised, Peter. So we, I think we, like many organisations, for a couple of weeks, were watching this in real concern and a bit of horror but also thinking, well, we don't we don't know where this is going, and we don't think we want to get into speculation, and so we, we sort of stayed quiet, but with growing unease as we recognised and began to particularly listen to people online who um, were either survivors or those who advocate for survivors to say, wait a second, this silence is um, is having an impact on us, and the longer you are quiet, the more you are telling us that we don't matter and that that the connections between you and this organization don't matter. Um, and so I think uh, we, we began working pretty quickly then at that point on, on pulling something together. And it still took, still took a little while to get that, to get that ready. So we already felt like, you know, four weeks is too long <laughs> to, to have said something, but some of what we wanted to address in that article were questions like, should we say something? So if you're a youth worker, and you and not you know no, no parents or young people have yet caught wind of this, or they haven't raised it with you. Should you bring it up? Um, or if they do, what should you say? Should you say this is an investigation? I don't know. I don't, we don't know what's happening. So we just laid out some information there, and, and the starting point for us, I suppose, was we don't think silence is helpful. There are some things that you can say in this interim space where we don't know what the conclusion is going to be. There are some things that you still can say. And we focused on uh, recognising, both acknowledging that this, this is happening, but really and, and begin to think about them. Because as you say, those that runs from everyone from um, youth workers who whose faith was really formed by going to these festivals and now asking things like, is God even real? If I, my experience of God, 
God was was through the ministry of a person who maybe I now can't trust. Everything from that to I've taken young people to Soul Survivor. Should I feel guilty or worried about that? To those who, as you say, are actually really triggered and by this allegations that's taken them right back. So um, if anyone wants to go and read that, that is on the Youthscape website under under um, Youth Youth Work News. Um, but yeah, Peter, you might want to pick up more there. That's really helpful, Lucy. Thank you. And yeah, the, I think one of the things that we are, I'm really looking at and thinking about at this moment is how we navigate this interim provisional space where so much is in the air and where there's so much pain and particularly you drew out the silence there where silence is not helpful and 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 silence actually has power to it yeah silence is is used in many cases in conversations to stare people down to to keep people other people quiet yeah. And actually, there is a real power dynamic in just in the use of silence. And people, I don't think organizations intend it, but they are also caught up in all of this whirlwind of how do we handle this? How do we handle the fact that we are part of this, that we have responsibility for this? How do we handle the pain? How do we handle the fact that we've invested so much in this? How do we handle the fact that so many of our people have indirect connection to it? How do we handle all the survivors and those who might come forward? What do we do? And there's an incredible amount there that they are grappling with. And that's, you know, I, but I don't, and in speaking that out, I don't, again, underestimate the pain of those who've experienced something that they're now able to talk about from that context itself through their being part of Soul Survivor, through their working with Mike, etc., through their brushing against it and just not being happy and not understanding why. And there are many like that. But also those who have experienced, as I've said, so ready, those who've experienced abuse in other situations. And this just re-triggers that. And it is incredibly painful. And I mean, I, 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 in my work, dealing with conflict and so on, I, I navigate through a lot of spaces like this and try and help people talk about it. And I think, to be honest, I was reflecting to people I was with at the weekend who, who are peace builders. Actually, this is one of the most difficult spaces I've, I ever have to operate in and so on. We have with us, and Faces is was set up to be a interfaith charity to connect together Christians, particularly and Muslims. And so, Melissa, you are you are a Muslim, and the, we are a Christian Muslim charity. What what's your first response to this? Thanks, Peter. <clears throat> um, just listening to a lot of what you and uh, Lucy have said, and I think in a sense wanted to also summarise some of the um, messages that Youthscape put out um, in their article. <clears throat> yeah. Excuse me. Um, and, and also, you know, starting with what you said about we, how it's difficult to talk about 
these issues because um, of the stage of the investigation and the limited kind of information that's about. Um, and although not much can be said about those specific allegations, I think that should never be a reason for silence. And we sh- we can and should be talking about um, to the to the people kind of that are under our leadership um, in your know, different spaces. We we can and should be talking about what is and isn't appropriate behaviour because abuse and exploitation doesn't always look like sort of more of a and obvious forms that are often spoken about, you know, feeling manipulated or like you must offer or go along with something uh, that you're uncomfortable with in order to receive some sort of tangible benefit or emotional kind of approval um, by any kind of religious authority is wrong. You know, we need to make it very clear that that shouldn't be a position that people are in. And that's something that should be, um, you know, reported and you should tell someone about that so that action can happen. And we should be making sure that people know those spaces are ones where disclosures can happen, where people can say, I think this is wrong or I know this is wrong um, and that something's done about it um, and that people will be listened to and they'll be dealt with, uh, you know, properly um, and not met with silence. And so I think while I completely understand, you know, the, um, the reasons why when, significant figures are um are accused of of things that it's 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 a it's a very difficult um response to kind of handle um but there are definitely things we can do uh, that that may not need to directly um give a response an uninformed response because yeah. that's all we could give at this point um but we can still give clear messages about abuse being wrong about exploitation being wrong and I'm glad you brought that up Peter and, and as you said Lucy I don't I haven't seen it mentioned yet but definitely what's been described seems to be a level of that and maybe that one of the of... things that's really important with to to work together on this is the fact that this is about holding out publicly and being accountable for our a dirty laundry, as it were, the things that do not show our faith up well, and actually being accountable to each other, being transparent to each other, talking about it together, where actually I would rather tell you how great Christianity is, and you would like to do the same for me, with me, but actually we are, we're walking together through really difficult territory here, where actually we see the worst of, of Christian faith, and I value your your walking with us in this. <laughs> and that's what's really important. I think Lucy or, or you mentioned it about um the the real harm done to people who have um almost in, in some kind of way, subconscious perhaps, pin their faith on the idea of a person because um that person's been so instrumental in developing their faith and developing their idea of God and their understanding of their religion. Um so it's definitely really important, like you said, uh, kind of wanting to say why Christianity is great and that these kind of allegations should never take away from that feeling. Um, and similarly, you know, with, with any sort of religion, um, when people are accused of things or when people, you know, do things and, and cause real harm for people, um, we have to be resilient against not letting that shake our faith because our faith is not, uh, you know, it does not come from anyone who's alive today. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's really important, I suppose, to su- support young people in that, particularly in this scenario. Yeah. Thanks, Melissa. We'll come back to you because I think there's some other dimensions of this we'd like to talk about. But Tony is a church leader. Um, 
you pride yourself in, in not speaking unless you have something to say, but I'm sure you've got something to say here, so please uh, please say it. From my standpoint, the, the particular thing that resonates with me is, is yes, there's the real harm done, but I, the, the lessons is how do we prevent this sort of thing happening? And, and there's the dealing with it when it happens, but the reality of abuse of power uh, by charismatic individuals, which can happen anywhere. But I, I think that I'm acutely aware that certain aspects of the, the church and maybe with other religious organisations can be vulnerable. And one of the lessons that I'm drawing from this and other uh, examples is that the danger of celebrating success. And if people are deemed to be successful, then it's almost as if people are frightened to challenge them. And it's not about the, uh, the as we talk about the over-impressionable individuals, the, the people with a power imbalance. It's about other people who have some power confronting and challenging uh, unaccountable individuals. And I think that we don't do that enough. And I think the reason for that is because of uh, almost success. I, I think about football managers and, and, and things. If they're being successful, then they can get away with anything. Uh, if they start struggling and things, then suddenly uh, other issues come in and they get the sack. Uh, faith organisations didn't ought to be like that. We ought to have values and we ought to challenge uh, when there's lack of accountability. And whether people are successful or not, we need to, to do that. And, and as a church leader, I, I am really concerned I know that I'm vulnerable because people could say that, you know, that I, I, I'm charismatic, I've been around a while, I've got a certain uh, personality, and as a church leader, I've got power. And so I, I really work hard to try and create accountable uh, contexts and situations. Um, I, I'm fortunate to have a, a wife who uh, is a, a strong leader in her own right and won't let me get away with anything. Um, but but not everybody's in those situations and we ought to feel able to just challenge that. Yeah. Um, and, and it doesn't have to be these high-profile situations. Um, there can be other uh, local situations, ones that I can think of. Uh, one guy in particular... Uh, a while ago, I, I took to one side and uh, I just felt I needed to, as a, a, a fellow leader, just talk about some of the things they were doing. And I felt uncomfortable with just one-to-one -one, uh, because I just felt uncomfortable. There's another situation, another church leader that I'm involved with now where uh, I and others have challenged because of... of Talks about being unaccountable, and the reaction has been horrendous, which just is a, a sign, I, I think, of the fact that we needed to do it. And I, so, so I think 
there's all these things, but I just want to raise the, the fact that we need to be doing preventative work, which can be making difficult conversations, challenging so-called successful leaders and uh, risking wrath and risking everything because the damage that's caused is so much. And it's not damage to the individual, but it's damage into our, our faith and people's faith. There's, I, think I want to move on in a minute to looking at some of the points that this raises um, in how we lead and how we how we look at these situations. But Nigel, you are not only one of the hosts of this podcast, but you are a church leader in your own right. Is there anything you'd want to say to this? Yeah, I think it's it's a very uh, confusing picture for many people who've been involved because actually the dynamic of charisma is what makes a lot of things happen. We as human beings are naturally drawn to charisma. Uh, good businesses run off charismatic leaders. Um, so there is a balance between the charisma and the accountability. And I think that that's very important. Um, but also to point out that there's a lot of um, success that, and I think that, uh, Tony was alluding to the success um, of Soul Survivor. They, they've reached young people far more than many other organizations have. And to combine with that, they've done some things like uh, areas of Manchester. There was an area of Manchester with a lot of high crime. They went up and did work there for a week. And I spoke to police officers who said the crime rate never went back up in that area. So there's things like this that are massively influential, very, very good. And it's a mixed bag of this goodness with badness <laughs> and that's so difficult because we like to polarize we like it either good or bad we don't but there's a mixed bag and charisma has vulnerabilities and unless those vulnerabilities are covered and i think so for many of the um i, I have to say um survivors but again it's not concluded <laughs> what's happening but to many of the survivors it must be very confusing at this stage of having um, their spiritual lives built up in so many ways, but also this harmful side of things yeah. and trying to cope with what's right and what's wrong and, and how to spit out the bones, as it were, and keep the good. And I think that must be so difficult working forward into this. And, Thank you. That's really yeah. helpful. I mean, I, I think I know that from just looking at, as I said, that it's a very insecure, very unsettling place to be, and it's quite a long time for an investigation to take place. And actually, one of the things you want to do, the temptation is to try and bolster and safeguard all the good, as you say. But the trouble is, in speaking about all that good, you you are absolutely diminishing the, or perceived to be diminishing, the pain and the experience of those who've, who've who've experienced the same good, but also are carrying a huge amount of pain out of it because of the negatives. And it's such a difficult place. I think one of the things, we can't say a lot more really about this situation, but what we have got, and which we as faces have been particularly attentive to, is the series of government inquiries, the ICSA inquiries, um, on sexual abuse that, that took place really came to conclusion just recently. And within that uh, series of inquiries, there were particular looks at the Church of England, and I'm not proud of the fact that they looked at three particular incident issues within the Church of England, 
Um, there are looks look at uh, the Catholic Church. There are look at schools connected with the church. There is a look at at other faiths and uh, other denominations within the Christian Church, um, and it is and they draw out a number of common themes, and these particularly come out in their final reports. And some of those things are very good. Uh, test points really to look at this situation and say okay we can't say any more about soul survival we can't say any more about mike but what we do know is that there are leaders like peter ball a bishop in the church of england who did horrific stuff and these are the lessons he was a very charismatic individual he drew many young people to him i i personally met peter ball when i was in my late teens and considering gap year and it was very attractive to spend time with him. But when I look now at those who were recruited in at the same time, I'm horrified at what's happened to their lives because of the abuse that they experienced. Lucy, as we look at the issues from Ixa, what, what, it, what, would, what would you draw out in relation to this situation? I think I think there are loads and I and I think we what we can do is rather than spend all our time and energy uh, speculating or thinking or filling in the gaps around what may or may have happened at Soul Survivor with Mike Pilavacci, what we certainly can do is even from thinking about the issues, start to reflect both personally and in our own organizations and contexts ahead of anything like this happening again and happening again that comes closer towards our field what will I do not would I not what would I do but I can guarantee at some point some in some field close enough to each of us and those who are listening at some point this issue is going to come close again so what will I do and and I think there are there are some things um, that are coming out of certainly the allegations that we need to pay attention to one is we we know that some people were brave enough to speak about this years ago actually they had already taken the courage um, and we don't know if they were believed and whether their uh, concerns were taken seriously I think there is certainly the suggestion that um, things were not addressed in a timely way because some of these dates are more than 10 years ago um, and so the following through on, on 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 allegations I think that's a huge amount of the pain that is now coming up is where people said I did talk to someone and the courage it takes to even do that. And then I was, they said, we'll, we'll get back to you. And nobody ever did. Or it went into a meeting and I never heard anything back. Um, so a lack of really proper procedure is, is something here. Like, do we have processes for when allegations come that mean that we treat those allegants, is that the right word, with, with, um, with real care and respect and go back to them? Um, I, think, I think another is if we are going to have to at some point do an investigation, God forbid any of us have to, but uh, certainly into anyone that we actually know, would it be independent now, I don't know that any of us are in a position to have to make those kinds of decisions, but some people really run organisations and are. And for those who are victims, the question of whether or not those doing an investigation are not, they know and are personally close to the person the investigation is about, that is a real, that is a problem. And my my suggestion would be, if you if any of us are ever in this situation, we make the commitment before time 
that we would have somebody outside of our context do an investigation, not someone from inside. And I think it comes down to a quite a simple question, which is who do we who do we prioritize and who do we protect? Everything around us um, for very understandable reasons is going to, the pull is going to be protect the institution, protect the person that I know, um, rather than protect those who have come forward or those uh, who I don't even know about yet who might come forward in the future. So again, ahead of time, I think what we need to do is, is recognize that and say, I will make a commitment now. I will not protect my institution. I will protect the vulnerable. Um, and, and yeah, probably there's more to say, but those would be the things I'd draw out. Nigel, you've got your hand up there. Yeah, um, just um, a thought um, along this as well is for child protection and for protection of vulnerable adults and for protection of people, it's to remember that this stuff happens amid good stuff and the normal run of things. It's not just, you know, one thing happening. There's a lot of things happening. And so it's keeping an alertness in the midst of where things seem to be successful or going well, not just when things fail, do you assess things? And I think that that's really important to keep that alertness in the middle of things being successful. And, 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 you know, you sort of think there's some of this that actually doesn't, you know, that, that was known for a long time, but the success story was more powerful than the other story. And, and there's some of that balance of recognizing in the middle of success there are bad things that can happen at the same time as as and and it's the mixed bag and it's keeping that alertness on protection in the middle of all situations yeah uh, i i i agree totally the and and what tony's spoken of earlier in terms of challenging individuals where you see leadership taking on a nature that is not healthy so important. Melissa, looking in from outside, but I don't count you as an outsider because you're a good friend and a part of us. Um, what sort of lessons would you would you be learning? And, and I suppose really the question is, I mean, what do we know of in, in, in situations within the, the Muslim community that that have a similar nature to them? Well, I, I think my my biggest um, thing on my mind at the moment is just picking up on what Lucy said about um, not prioritising the institution and prioritising and centering the the victims that come forward. Um, and I think it's it's one of those things that's obvious and that we probably all kind of think, yeah, that's on paper somewhere, but actually really making sure that that's something that's accepted and practised is really important. But my additional thoughts was that actually to to even uh, do what's right by the person you know or have had a relationship with in some uh, capacity that's being accused um, or to do what's right by the institution to where these allegations, um, you know, where this abuse has taken place is still to do a proper and thorough investigation. You know, that is still what's right because covering up and, and not doing a proper investigation to find um, the truth of situations and ensure that abuse doesn't happen again if it's taken place is still the best thing for the institution. Um, so I suppose that's my kind of yeah. final thoughts really, Peter, is just that yeah. we, we shouldn't have to 
try and balance, um, you know, a, a, a seesaw of, of where do I stand on this? Because the right thing for everything is to um, ensure people um, are kept safe to the best of our ability through good policy and, and good practice and good training for, for everyone involved in supervision. Um, and where allegations um, are made, where victims come forward, make sure that we are doing um, everything we can to see an investigation through and make sure that they're mm -hmm. supported in the best way and, and recognise that actually often that means asking for help, that means finding advice, that means, you know, asking for support from external organisations. Um, it, it will likely mean identifying where we were weak and need to be stronger in our kind of um, governance or kind of operations. Um, and all of that is for the good of the institution and is for the good of the, the victims. Yeah. And I mean, I think we need to be drawing to an end here, but one of the things that's been going on in the chat between us is a question from Nigel. How do you describe, how do you write wrestling into a child protection policy? Um, yeah. And actually, I think for, you know, we, we can have a long discussion. It might be a subject for a good podcast in the future about creating a culture of safeguarding. Because that's what it seems to me. It's, yes, wrestling can be good, but in many cases, it's totally inappropriate. Mm. And, and, and we've got to be attentive and we've got to be asking questions about everything we see in the culture of a group, whether it's a church, a youth group, a mosque, a, you know, a madrasa, whatever it might be, we've got to be asking questions about people's behaviour and the appropriateness of it and where it becomes too much of a pattern and where power is wielded by it. You know, you might be a great sumo wrestler as well as a leader, but that doesn't mean to say you combine the two in your leadership. You've got to hold off, frankly. Tony, you, you, you were saying more there, but Please, a contribution from you. Well, there's, there's, well it, it's, the, it's the use of power in what uh, there are allegations, and, uh, but I know of other situations where people use uh, offers of uh, positions and being sort of favoured on the in the in crowd, and then if they don't uh, uh, do what you want, don't conform, then suddenly being dropped. It's those sort of things that I think are more damaging. So, so I, I personally, I think wrestling is a sort of an, an irrelevant. So I think it can be either good or bad. Uh, it just needs to be done appropriately. But, but when we see and involve in that sense of inviting people into the inner sanctums, if they conform, that's when we ought to start getting worried. And... And you can't necessarily sort of write that into a safeguarding policy, but you can look out for it. And we can make sure that we don't abuse people in those sort of, of ways. Yeah. Thank you, Tony. Lucy, a final word from you. I think that's really helpful. And I, I was struck by what Melissa said early on about um, take this opportunity to, to say this is why this particular behaviour is not sort of healthy. And I think this is one of the things I really value about, about faces is we are inviting each other and other people and ourselves to try to articulate 
What is it in our culture and the ways we talk about our faith and the ways we organize ourselves that um, sometimes is, is offbeat? So what what is it that um, sometimes only other people outside of us can help us see this, which is why we've got to be permeable and not closed off to other people like looking in on what our cultures are like. But, but what are those phrases that leaders will just throw out that just normalize a kind of control? Uh, or that minimise a capacity for someone to question, or that organise people in such a way that they're kept apart so that they don't realise what's really going on. So there, there are these are things that you can never write in a safeguarding policy, but they are about us paying attention um, emotionally, intuitively, and trusting our gut instinct um, about like what feels safe, what feels right, what feels like ordered, what feels like human flourishing. And sometimes, you know, it's just true that from within ourselves, we can't always see. So the more we can do things like this, where we can say, what goes on in your context? Or come and see this, and what do you notice? That kind of confidence and humility and openness, I think will be necessary for all religious contexts going forward to, to, to learn the answer to that question, like what do really healthy relationships actually look like in our context and where have we got that wrong? Because sometimes the answers are quite subtle. Thank you, Lucy. There's so much more you could say here. And I think before I hand back to Nigel, who has the power of the recording button here, um, I think I just want to say, as we conclude this, our hearts, our prayers, our thoughts are with those who are struggling with this context. Those who have made allegations, those who are considering making allegations, if you are wanting to do that, there are details of contact on the the web uh, page the 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 article that Lucy referred to the youthscape put out um there are good uh, good referrals there but our prayers are with all of you and with the institutions that out of this one of the things that certainly as a Christian I believe in and as both as both Muslim and Christians, we we believe God is able to work a purpose out that is greater than the mess of our of our lives and our situation. And uh, it is our prayer that that happened for those who who are struggling with this at the moment. Um, thank you, Nigel. Back to you. Okay, thanks, Peter. And I think we'll follow this as it progresses or whatever happens and probably do another podcast following this when things, uh, when the investigation's complete and as things develop further. But thank you all for your involvement. It's a, a sad subject to discuss, but a very, very, very important one. And so please do get in touch with folks if you are suffering, as Peter said. I'll put some articles below this that you can follow as well to find more information. And there will be contacts provided at the bottom of this article as well, should you wish to make any reports. Thank you.